Good morning. I'm reading the whole chapter 55 of Isaiah, which if you have one of the church Bibles is on page 743. An invitation to the thirsty. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what's not bread and your labour on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me, listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that it goes out from, from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the fields will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow juniper, and instead of briars the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. This is the word of the Lord. Well, we're in the middle of a series looking at the Beatitudes, and uh, as Peter said, this idea of righteousness is right through the Scriptures, the same as this image of hunger and thirst are right through the Scriptures, and you might have heard those ideas from the reading of Isaiah there. And so, the beatitude that we uh, looked at last week, a blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And it was an encouragement for us to be humble but also to have the courage to stand for what is right, for justice. And so this week, we go on to, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And these first four have been building on one another. So I encourage you, if you've missed some of them, to look at uh, the, the ways in which they've been building on top of one another as Jesus uh, preaches to the crowd what sometimes people call the Jesus Manifesto or the Sermon on the Mount, and we're focusing just on the Beatitudes. So, as we come to this uh, theme this morning, let's pray that God's heart 
uh, God would open our hearts and minds to him this morning. So gracious God, we praise and thank you for who you are. We invite your Holy Spirit to come and open our hearts and minds as we explore this beatitude. May our hunger and thirst be awakened for you. May we also understand that we sit in the righteousness of Jesus, not our own righteousness. And Lord, will we also focus on the hope that we will be filled. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when some of us were in the UK recently, uh, there was a talk there by uh, Mark Sayers, who's actually a pastor here in uh, Blackburn. And uh, we visited a number of churches uh, in, the, in the area of London, we went up to Oxford, and as we went to these churches, what became obvious to us was that God is doing a move of the Holy Spirit in a new way, in a fresh way, and that churches that are hungry for an encounter with God are experiencing the presence of God. And uh, we had some talks there by the team who were part of the Asbury uh, revival, the, the outpouring that happened there, and, and they're telling how th th this uh, encounter with the, the Holy Spirit at Asbury University in February this year is spreading across the world. A and Mark Sayers, who's just here in Blackburn, uh, he runs a podcast that has people from all over the world uh, listen to his podcast. I linked to that in our e-news this week. Uh, but if you listen to that, you'll, you'll have heard that he is hearing story after story from people all over the world in churches that are small, in rural churches, in large city churches, where they're experiencing a renewal and a revival. And I think it reminds me that if we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we start to tune our eyes, our ears, our heart to the stories of righteousness. If we drift into politics in the church, if we drift into focusing on the decline in the church and how the church has got it wrong, of course, we'll see that too. This beatitude is calling us to focus on righteousness and I want to speak to us this morning about what righteousness might be. And there'll be some links with uh, the holiness stream that we've heard at our 6pm service. So again, if you haven't listened to those, I encourage you to get on the church podcast and listen to those because um, I won't unpack all of those themes because it's been done so well at our 6pm service. But there is this movement in our world at the moment where people are yearning for the presence of God. People are hungry. Uh, Mark Sayers has just started a church, he, uh, he's got a church, but he, he started a new campus down at um, Camberwell, and uh, he said there's just this hunger and thirst for people to encounter God. And I, I, I feel that we are hungering and thirsting for God as well, here at this church. But the idea of hunger and thirst is, is a deliberate image that Jesus is using. He, he's using this idea of hunger and thirst because, like we know, when we are, are physically hungry and physically thirsty, we, we, we have to satisfy that with food and drink, 
but it doesn't matter how good the, 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 the food and drink are, you have to go back the next day. It's, it's a daily thing. And so I think Jesus is saying that this hunger and thirst that we're to have is, is a daily hunger and thirst. But notice that uh, Matthew, in his account of the Beatitudes, makes sure that he puts in the word in righteousness, hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's this idea, the same as blessed are the poor in spirit, which is the blessed are the poor in spirit is more than a financial status. So it's not just talking about those who are financially poor. And so this beatitude is not just let's feed those who have a need in the community. This is not let's get a food pantry going. That's not the call of this. The idea is hunger and thirst for righteousness because it's a call to us, each one of us, to focus on us being in right relationship with our Heavenly Father. This call to hunger and thirst for righteousness is a call to be in right relationship with our Father in Heaven. It's a call for us to look at righteousness as a way of loving God and a way of following Jesus. But it's important to note that this is more than morality. And I think uh, in, the, in the last few years of the church, the church has become known for its stance on morality. So it's, it's important for us as we look at this that Jesus is talking about more than morality here. Jesus often criticised the Pharisees who, who had these external ways of following God by following all these rules. They had hundreds and hundreds of rules. And, and somebody was considered righteous if they could follow those rules a lot more. It didn't matter about the sense of what was going inside their heart, it was whether they could follow these moral, external, behaviour-based rules. Not eating on certain days, not doing certain activities when doing it with other activities, all of these rules that people had to follow and the Pharisees were kind of almost like the police who would enforce these rules and Jesus often criticised them. So it does make me wonder why has the Christian church become so fixated on certain rules? It's this idea of hungering and thirsting for God Himself. What is righteousness? It's being in right relationship with God. But we can't earn right relationship with God. We can't earn our way into being okay because we, we, we've done the right behaviours and therefore if we tick off enough of the good behaviours, we're somehow in right relationship with God. Jesus tells a, a story, a, a parable, and, and we know that as the prodigal son, and, and the son does a whole lot of really abhorrent things and, and, and really rejects his father and, and is rude to his father's legacy. But when the prodigal son realises that he's got absolutely nothing, he decides to repent, to turn away from his bad behaviour and come back to his father. But notice in the story of the prodigal son, the son who is repenting is expecting to come back and have to be a servant or a slave, not a son. He knows that he can't do that anymore because he's given up that right of being a son. So who's the character in the story that restores the person as a son, not as a servant? It's the father. It's the father who comes out to greet his son and offers him grace and mercy 
And this grace and mercy offered by the Father is the one that restores the relationship into a right relationship of Father and Son again. The Son couldn't do anything to earn His Father's love, it's the grace and mercy that comes from the Father. And Jesus tells us this parable because it unpacks this beatitude of the call to righteousness. We can't behave ourselves well enough to restore the relationship with God our Father. But God has already offered us grace and mercy through faith in Jesus so that we can be restored to right relationship. All we have to do is repent, which is to turn away from following our own direction and repent and go on to the path that leads to life in Jesus. It's this life, death and resurrection of Jesus that restores our relationship. So this beatitude, which reminds us that it's not our own ability, but it's the righteousness of Jesus. So Jesus is not asking us to hunger and thirst for good behaviour. Jesus is not asking us to hunger and thirst to follow the rules better than anybody else. Jesus is asking us to hunger and thirst for a relationship with God. And hunger and thirst in a way that's a daily occurrence in the same way that a person who's physically hungry and thirsty needs to return to the food and drink every day. And really, Jesus is saying that this beatitude is placed in our heart, not in our external behaviours. It's out of the state of our heart that somebody follows Jesus. It's out of the state of our heart that when we have a desire to be like Jesus and to be in right relationship with Jesus and His Father, then all of a sudden our affections turn away from self-fulfilling behaviour that might be leading us away from God till we start having a desire to behave in ways that make us more like Jesus. It's like when our heart is right, we just have a a more inward-driven desire to let our external behaviours match that of Jesus. So when people have their hearts right, they can obey the next few Beatitudes that Jesus will go on to and will go on to in the next couple of weeks. You see, at the time of Jesus... When Jesus saw the Pharisees and He critiqued them for being all about external behaviour and not about internal heart, Jesus then looked at the people and realised that whilst they were struggling to follow this burdensome set of rules, He could see that their heart's desire was to follow God. And Jesus tells them that they're in the Kingdom. That if your heart is set on following God, and your faith and trust, we now know your faith and trust is in Jesus, then you're in the Kingdom. So, let's look at a couple of people in the Scriptures. So, Jesus encounters a blind man, and he had been blind since birth, and many people thought it was because of either his sin or the sins of his parents. And so, therefore, as the external uh, behaviour police came along and saw this man, they knew that he must be a sinful man and and should be outcast from the Kingdom of God. 
but this blind man calls out son of David. It's a sign that this blind man who he can't see Jesus, he knows that Jesus is the promised Messiah and these external behaviour police don't see Jesus as the Messiah. And because he tells the whole world, the blind man tells the whole world that Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus shows him that his heart's in the right place and he awakens his eyes so that he can see the Messiah face to face. Jesus also encounters a woman who'd been bleeding for 12 years and she desperately, desperately wanted to be clean so she could go to the temple, she could go to synagogue and worship. She had enough faith that if she just touched the cloak of Jesus, that she'd be healed. Talk about hunger and thirst, that you would risk public embarrassment so that you could get that one thing that you desperately need, which is clean, to become clean so you could go and do your uh, worship in the temple. And because of the state of her heart, not because of her external behaviour, she's made clean and then she can go to temple. Think about a, a centurion who's got a sick and dying uh, servant. The centurion comes to Jesus and says, look, you don't even have to come to my house. You don't even have to walk into uh, my unclean house. If you just say the word, from here, my servant will be healed. The centurion hungered and thirsted for the will of God to the point where he knew that just one word from Jesus could heal his servant. Now, to a real slap in the face, in my opinion, of the disciples who are standing just there, Jesus turns to the centurion and says he hasn't seen faith like that in all of Israel. Imagine being the disciple, walking with Jesus for a few years. Talk about hunger and thirst. If there's one last example of how it's got nothing to do with external behaviour modification, think about a criminal who is crucified on the cross next to Jesus. Clearly, there is nothing righteous about his external behaviour. He hasn't done anything right. He's dying on the cross for the sins that he's, he's committed and it's right and just that he dies as a criminal according to the law. But Jesus looks at his heart, hears his repentant heart and says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Because of the state of his heart, Jesus offers him paradise. Jesus is seeking righteousness of the heart so that people desire a relationship with God more than they desire correct behaviour. People desire a relationship with God more than they desire to behave correctly. Now, I'm not sure about you, but I think the church needs to recapture this kind of hunger and thirst at the moment, where we're focused more on coming into the presence of God than we are about making sure that we follow a set of rules and that society knows what rules we stand for and against. But I think Jesus intentionally uses this hunger and thirst image to remind us of physical hunger because He wants us to know that we have to hunger and thirst daily for righteousness. 
So in many ways, Jesus is actually talking about future righteousness, how we will continue to follow him. Jesus gave his disciples the Holy Spirit. He gave it to him as a sign and a guarantee that his presence would be with them as they go out on the mission to make disciples of all the nations. He sends them out on this very challenging, difficult task and he says, I'll be with you always and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be with you. Jesus knew that the the hunger and thirst in our hearts could not be guaranteed just because we behave correctly. It doesn't matter how many Sunday school lessons you got taught on correct behaviour, we we know the right behaviour in our hearts, don't we? we? We know how to behave. But why do we keep breaking that? Jesus knew that we would keep breaking these ways of behaving and he said it's the state of our hearts, it's, it's our heart's desire to keep returning to him day after day after day. So Paul reminds us of this, he says, I, I, I do that that I don't want to do. And so Paul also reminds us that we have to keep working on our behaviour rather than relying on grace. So it's not, it's not like we can behave however we want, knowing that it's wrong, But the focus is not on the external behaviour, the the focus is on coming into the presence of God. In the book of James, St James says that faith without works is dead. He wants us to be aware that when we have faith in Jesus, we desire to be more like Him. So we, again, we do actually try to shape our behaviour to be like Jesus. But unlike the Pharisees who judge themselves on their ability to perform the correct behaviour, our uh, faith is in Jesus. So we need to hunger and thirst for right relationship with God on a daily basis. In the Gospel of Luke, he says, we need to pick up our cross daily. Or to put it another way, we need to focus on the Gospel of Jesus every day. That it's the grace and mercy this day that forgives us of our sins yesterday and as we hunger and thirst for righteousness it's a daily activity that we do. That's why I encourage you to um, uh, catch up on the holiness stream that we've done at 6pm. It's been a great reminder to us at at the holiness stream on 6pm that Spiritual habits actually are our way of seeking daily relationship with God. We don't drift off a past experience of God. As, as um, Helena and Grant both quoted Dallas Willard, grace is not opposed to effort, grace is opposed to earning. I'll say that again, grace is not opposed to effort, grace is opposed to earning. If we try to shape our external behaviour because we think we're earning grace, we're earning mercy, we've missed the mark. But if we live in grace, live in mercy, and out of that grace and mercy we try to be more like Jesus, grace is not opposed to us putting effort into that. And I think you would agree that some of our spiritual practices do take a bit of effort. 
does take a, a bit of effort to remind ourselves to keep our spiritual disciplines, our spiritual habits. It's a lot easier when you're physically hungry, isn't it? Your body just tells you that you need food. It's a bit easier when you're physically thirsty because your body is craving just some water. But are our ears, our eyes, our mind and our heart attuned to our spiritual hunger signs? Because we need to listen to our spiritual hunger. We need to be attuned to our spiritual hunger so that we daily come back into a, a desire to hunger and thirst for righteousness. So I encourage you to keep growing in your relationship with God. Keep hungering and thirsting for His presence. Don't focus on the rules, don't focus on the behaviours of righteousness, but focus on the presence of God. Focus on the right relationship that God has offered to you through Jesus, not your own effort. And remember that it's our daily trusting in faith in Jesus. As I look at some of the stories that I hear about this outpouring of the Holy Spirit that seems to be spreading across the world, the thing that strikes me is that it's fueled by people who are hungry for God, fueled by people who have a desire to be in the presence of God and just dwell in the presence of God. But what I also hear is that when people experience the presence of God, they just have a desire for repentance because they know that they just want to be more like Jesus and they want to have more of Jesus in their life. So I think the first four Beatitudes have helped us to centre ourselves on God. In these coming weeks, the Beatitudes are going to shift our attention to the way we're in right relationship with other people. Next week, we're going to explore how maybe we're called to have mercy to other people. Being in right relationship with others flows out of our right relationship with God and the mercy that God has extended to us, we start to extend mercy to others. The peace that we feel because we've been in right relationship with our Father in heaven, we start to be a force of peace in the world and God's, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. And then the challenge is going to be for those who are persecuted because of following Jesus. So in the weeks ahead, I encourage us to uh, not necessarily see these as external behaviour modification, but things that flow out of being in right relationship with our Father in heaven. So let me pray. Gracious God, we praise and thank you for who you are. We thank you that you sent your son Jesus so that you could make the first step, you could take the first step for us to turn away from our own ways of living and put our faith and trust in Jesus. And through your grace and mercy, we can be in right relationship with you. We ask you the Holy, to send your Holy Spirit today, to open our hearts and minds, to be attuned to our spiritual hunger and thirst for you. Help us to dwell in your presence, to seek to be more like your son Jesus, and to be filled with your Holy Spirit on a daily basis. 
And we make this prayer in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I think we've got a song now, don't we? Yeah. Spirit.